Good evening, and welcome to another edition of No Lights Paranormal Podcast, where three nerdy paranormal investigators sit down and discuss spooky stories from the web. My name is Joe. I am the lead investigator. My name is Teresa. I am the researcher. My name is Alex. I am the equipment setter upper and the Baba Yaga enthusiast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you said that with a little bit more confidence today than normal. Yeah. I'm feeling more confident than normal. Normally, <laughs> I am... I'm Alex. <laughs> I'm me. I'm Alex. Oh, goodness gracious, boys. So, um, I just want everybody to be aware uh, that we are so very sorry for missing this past week. This recording is to make up for last week. We are going to be releasing it along with this week's, for real, this week's recording. Um, we apologize. We love you. We're sorry. Just a quick PSA announcement. If work offers you food, don't eat it. It's probably sat there too long. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fair. So today we are covering the great state of Florida. Nope. Nope. Oh, I'm sorry. Florida's next week. Fine. Well, co- I mean, Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah. It's, it's next. We'll say it's next. There's a glitch in the matrix. I'm so <laughs> sorry. Restart the whole thing. We're <laughs> no, no, we're not. So, yeah. So, a little bit of a spoiler there. We're going to do Florida. Wow. <laughs> spoiler alert. We're releasing Kentucky and Florida this week. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. But we won't, we, we won't spoil the following weeks yet. Okay. So, yes. yes. The great state of Kentucky... <laughs> Uh, just a stone's throw away from our home here in Ohio. Um, so, yeah. Who wants to get us started? <laughs> uh, well, you both are looking at me, so I guess I'll go. <laughs> well, I was looking at you both. <laughs> All right. uh, I'll, I'll go first. I don't mind. Um, awesome. This one... <coughs> excuse me. Uh, this one struck my fancy a little bit because it's not necessarily something I believe in. Uh, we've talked about it before. Uh, I just don't get behind the idea of giants. Um, Did you say giants? That is correct. I, I am so fucking into this already. I'm not going to lie. I'm let's, super into it. Let's do this. Apparently, and this has been reported and it's a bunch of news articles, not news articles, news articles, mm-hmm. uh, that I actually looked up on my actual computer at home but forgot to send it to my phone so I don't have those right now. I'll get those on the website, I promise. Uh, about in Kentucky in November 24th in 1911, Hugh Yates uncovered these specific skeletons in Pine Grove, Kentucky. Uh, it was actually, <coughs> excuse me, believed that these skeletons were evidence that there was prehistoric race that is yet to be spoken about as many findings have been debunked as hoaxes or mastodons. That's what struck my interest because a human skeleton looks completely different from a fucking mastodon. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say so. so. I, I don't know. typo somewhere in there? I don't know. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I checked a mastodon was like an elephant. Yeah, it doesn't look but anything like a human. It, as the article goes along, it says, uh, at this time in history, many giant or extra small skeletons were found, or at least what, fu- what was found didn't make the news. Yates was <clears throat> a prosperous landowner, and one day while excavating beneath a high cliff, he came upon a gravesite. Inside the grave, he discovered a human skeleton, and it was said to be more, it was more significant than the average human, as they described it as having giant proportions. As it was such an odd discovery, he asked around his neighbors, and they all came to his land, armed with picks, and made their way into the cliff where the skeleton was, was found and began searching. They made their way to the side of the cliff and found an ancient sepulcher 
and it was crowded with human skeletons. Some of the skeletons were even larger than the first skeleton found. One of them measured 12 feet tall. They found skeletons, jewels, strange ornaments, cooking vessels, and what they believed were musical instruments. Well, now we know where Ith and Flynn ended up. Right. There you go. <laughs> well, Ith. <laughs> Settled somewhere in Florida. Uh, reportedly, this was not the end of the story as they continued searching for more artifacts. However, there was no other information available. Uh, this leaves many to question whether they were giant skeletons found. According to reports, that were <clears throat> that there were many hoaxes. In 1934, I'm going to butcher the crap out of this name. Alice Hedreka, uh curator of anthropology in the Smithsonian Institute, investigated. The Smithsonian opposed the myth that an ancient white race was was the mound builders. Apparently there's mounds in Kentucky. Right? Uh, Adina. Uh, yes. Adina people. Yes. Yeah, the Adina people. Uh, Native American tribe. He blamed amateur anthropologists for being unfamiliar with human anatomy. Well, already then. <laughs> Just let that sink in. I'll yeah. give you some time. There, I'm into it. Stated that the length of the femur bone fooled most of these who examined the bones and many lacked the experience in human bone structure. Again, just let that thing sink in. That's amazing to me that... <clears throat> no, keep going. Now, again, <clears throat> even some religious folks uh, talk about Nephilim. Mm-hmm. I don't... I'm not a partaker in that. Mm-hmm. I, I know the Giants talks about Bibles, or... Right. The Giants talk about the Bible. The Bible yeah. talks about Giants. There you go. Um, David and Goliath, for example. Ah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bible actually states that he had five brothers that were bigger than he was. But when you actually get into the science of the Bible and actually look at it, I think Goliath was only like nine feet tall. Watch me shed my uh, Bible knowledge, though. Wasn't originally the flood created to erase the giant race? Uh, no. Uh, that was actually one of the reasons for the It wasn't flood. the main reason, though. But yes, <clears throat> that is one of the lores of biblical history is that it was actually created to get rid of... It kind of goes with the Lilith thing. Yeah. yeah. Let me yeah. let me pre- preface that, all right? Bible lore, all right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That's why I said Bible lore. Uh, yeah, it was to get rid of the Lilith aspect of that she went out and... I thought that was but one of those fallen it. angels, quote-unquote, procreated with humans. man. and Yeah, that ties in the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yes, that is one of them. They do talk about that. Uh, they go into a lot of biblical research here, which I'm not going to get into it because it, it it just doesn't add to the actual story. Sure. However, in the newspaper articles that I found, there was articles in about these giants that dated back to like 2019. Wow. Uh, yeah, so it's actually prevalent in Kentucky. Never knew that. I, that's what struck my fancy is because, like I said, <clears throat> in some of the other stories, I get caught up in TikTok world when I'm sitting there trying to disassociate and all that other stuff. And now I'm like... So, curiosity. We, we know that Kentucky has a very, very rich and long history with Bigfoot. Is it entirely possible that we stumbled upon um, perhaps one of the first known... Bigfoot graves. I mean, that was kind of where my head went with it at first because that is a good possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did actually think that because 
we do know. Well, I say we do know, but it's kind of speculation that they do bury their dead. Yeah, we assume um, that they yeah. do. Maybe. Yeah, that's <laughs> why I said it's more speculation than known fact. But we do know that they actually do hide their bodies. That they, has been reported. Well, clearly we can't find um, any. So Right. But yeah. again, that's speculation because we haven't found any. But maybe they, back then, they had no reason to hide from us. I mean, so valid. There was nobody here to hide from. The Native Americans just seemed like, nah, we're going to leave you alone. <laughs> I mean, to be well, fair, so. most of the stories from out west, the uh, Native American tribes speak of them as just another tribe of different right. people. Right. Yeah. So yeah. It, it could have been full well that this was their territory. And they just had like their own little civilization here. And that, that could have very well been that word, but, uh, yeah. um, a, mass, a mass Bigfoot grave. Right. But I don't think anybody actually thought about that. Well, of course not, because to the scientific community, Bigfoot doesn't exist. Oh, it's Nephilim. No, sorry, it's not. <laughs> yeah, we can believe in uh, giants from biblical ages, but we can't believe in something that 100 million people see across the world every single that, day. That will get us into a different conversation, because I got a whole bag full of that crap. <laughs> but the scientific community takes some liberties, let me put it out. <laughs> sure they do, but I think every community takes those same liberties. Yeah, yeah I'm not saying they don't, but... Um, but yeah, no, I just, I, I found that story incredibly interesting because like I said, I don't typically believe in giants. I just think it's a, a, a tall person. doesn't mean they're a giant that's here to rule the earth. Mm-hmm. But it was just weird because you've never heard of, normally when the skeletons are found, they're by themselves. Yeah. Or they're scattered throughout. You find a bunch of them, but they're scattered like one's over here and then 10 miles over here and another one's over here. Sure. This is the only one that they actually found that actually had a grave site. And that like a... I guess you could say memorial. That's interesting stuff. I mean, to me, technically, that would just kind of put forth the idea that it was some kind of tribe of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, that's literally... Or what Big Harry Eight, however you want to look at it. So... Maybe they didn't develop fur yet. <laughs> take me back to the paranormal aspect of your story. Giants. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't, I don't know what you're asking. <laughs> I, I understand. Yeah, I got a, I'm at a loss for this, too. No, no, I'm so sorry. I understand that the story itself is about giants, but what part of that would you consider paranormal? All of it. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, Agreed. I mean, it's, it's like a cryptid kind of thing, like the Bigfoot like thing. Uh, the oh, giants. I see. Okay, so yeah. that, that actually answered my question. Yeah. You're putting it into the cryptid category. Mm-hmm. I got you. <laughs> That's what threw me off, and you're like, where's the paranormal? I'm like... So sorry, my brain is full of snot right now. Um, so yeah, I got you. <laughs> that's why I was like, all, all of it, <laughs> every bit of it. What are you thinking? So yeah, that's uh, that's the story I found. Like I said, I'll post the the articles with the or the link with the articles. Yeah, slap those up on the Facebook. Yeah, I'll put site. them on Facebook. I just got to get them off my actual computer, which I don't actually have logged into Facebook. Oh, so, well, you know, yeah. Also, ladies and gentlemen, if you like cryptids and that aspect of the paranormal, uh, I would like to give a shout out to the uh, Sasquatch Chronicles. Pretty good podcast. Yeah. Now, look, I know, I know we've talked about it here before, like we don't do a lot of cryptid stuff, but I actually do enjoy a good cryptid search in history, and it, it's 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 basically involving one of my favorite things. You need to go trips around the woods. I, I feel so. like uh, our reaches it expands a little bit. Right? Yeah. Well, we're into the cryptid stuff. We're into the cryptid. folklore stuff. I, the cryptid? Yeah, cryptid. 
Crippen? Makes him sound like a gang. Crippen. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, it, it, to further along what you were saying, Teresa, I, I put all of that into the same category. Gotcha. Uh, paranormal to me just doesn't mean ghost. It understood, means understood. cryptids. It oh, means no, and theories, I 100% agree. Yeah. That's kind of, I, I just misspoke. It was the idea of, like, sort of what paranormal category do you put it in. So, cryptid was the answer I was yeah, looking yeah. for. So, yeah, no, my brain is just fried. Um, I'll say it must be because we pretty much covered that in a Bigfoot's thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's fine. I'm fine. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's my story for this week. I like it. Or today. I like it. Yeah, today. So, um, or Kentucky. <laughs> so I'm going to actually go ahead and do mine next, if that's all right, because mine is interesting in the fact that neither one of you two have heard of it. Uh, so I finally found one uh, that the boys didn't know about. Mm-hmm. Yet. Yet. <laughs> I'm about to tell you everything you need to know. <laughs> so um, I actually covered uh, the Octagon House, which at one point was also called Octagon Hall. It's in Franklin, Kentucky. It's a literal eight-sided octagonal house. It was built in 1862 by Andrew Jackson Caldwell. Uh, He had purchased uh, the property and he had bought the home, uh, purchased the property and constructed the home uh, for his wife and his uh, three daughters and one son. Um, The design, they believe that it was inspired actually by a really, really... Uh, popular book back in the day by Orson Squire Fowler uh, called The Octagon House, A Home for All. Super popular book. uh, was written just a few years before this house was built. It actually inspired sort of an octagon house building frenzy across the U.S. There were actually several of them. Um, Interesting stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Octagon Home like I said, it became this like ridiculously huge trend, and there were actually two of them um, remaining in Kentucky to this day. But this one is famous for lots of reasons, not just because it has eight sides. So during the Civil War, the house was used as a hospital for both the Union and Confederate troops, and it doubled as a hideout for Confederate troops uh, on the run from the Union Army. Mind you, his family was still living in the house during this time. So this was a pretty common thing during the Civil War. Uh, Large estate houses just were kind of taking occupancy to be used for the needs of of the war effort, uh, like it or not. But, (laughs) (laughs) so the family, they were constantly, constantly, constantly under threat. Obviously, if if the Union Army was searching for Confederate troops that were being housed there, hiding there, then they were constantly knocking on the door, you know, hey, where are they? Where are they? Raiding the home. Uh, The troops were hidden very, very well, so they were never really found. Uh, And the family just kind of had to deal with these raids and, and... All right, so getting to my story for this week... I am actually uh, doing a story on a place called the Octagon House in Franklin, Kentucky. So way back in the day, there was actually this book written called The Octagon House, A Home for All by Orson Squires Fowler. Um, This book became ridiculously popular, and in the subsequent years, even like decades, many, 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 many octagonal-shaped houses were built. 
um, this was one of them. So in 1862, Andrew Jackson Caldwell uh, acquired the land and had this house built as a family home for himself, his wife, his three daughters, and their young son. Uh, the home, um, obviously they're thinking it, it is one of these houses that followed in this design based on this book. It is actually one of only two um, octagon-shaped houses in the state of Kentucky that still exist to this day. But this one is pretty darn famous because a lot of stuff happened there. So for starters, um, their, their entire family lived in this home for many, many years prior to the Civil War. Um, when the Civil War came, uh, the house was actually being used as a hospital for both Union and Confederate troops, uh, and it also doubled as sort of a hideout for Confederate troops who were on the run from the Union Army. So this was, this was something that the Caldwell family did on purpose, I mean, helping, helping the war effort, turning their house into a bit of a hospital, but that's just sort of something that happened. The large homes got sort of commandeered for use by the war effort, um, yeah. but their sympathy for the Confederacy uh, kind of had deep roots. They actually owned slaves themselves, so yeah. So the Union Army would, you know, constantly be coming by harassing the family and, you know, pounding on the doors and even doing things like throwing, I, I read one story about them throwing rocks and stuff through the windows, trying to basically get the family to give up the Confederate soldiers that they were housing, um, which never happened. They, they did not ever give anyone up. Uh, but the raids were super violent, they were super frequent, you know, the kids growing up in this house, it was just kind of a terrible environment as far as it goes. Um, and especially with them harboring Confederate troops, even in the middle of this place being uh, sort of a makeshift hospital. So even when there were Union Army soldiers in the hospital, there's, there's Confederates hiding in the basement, you know, perfectly healthy and just trying to get away. It was crazy stuff. So anyway... Um, Andrew Jackson Caldwell actually passed away in the home in 1866. Um, his death was, I, I didn't read that there was anything bad that happened, so I believe he just simply passed from age. Um, his wife, Harriet, she continued to live in the home until 1916, um, and then she sold the home to a man named Miles Williams, whom was a uh, osteopathic doctor from Nashville. Um, the house served as his family home also until his death in 1954. Uh, after he passed away, uh, the home actually got turned into a rental property, kind of split apart, different rooms for rent, etc., etc. Um, and it stayed that way all the way up until 2001 when the Octagon Hall Foundation was formed and obtained um, the home, they have been upkeeping, restoring, um, and basically just just preserving the history of the home ever since then. Uh, they've actually turned it into a museum, mostly for the Civil War, relics of the war, uh, and you can actually take tours of, of this house. So there's lots and lots of ghost stories in this house, obviously because of its past. The Caldwell family, for example, um, if I recall my reading correctly, two of the three daughters passed away in the home. The young son passed away in the home. 
These were during uh, yellow fever epidemics, and I believe one of one of the daughters was was measles. Um, anyway, Mister <laughs> Mister Jackson Caldwell himself. Um, he's actually been seen in the house many, many, many times, uh, coming through the front doorway, walking up or down the stairs, headed through the dining hall, in and out of the master bedroom, um, and people hear his boots um, walking on the floors and up and down the stairs uh, extremely often. Uh, slaves whom worked for the Caldwells um, also lived and died on the property several of them over a various amount of years and they have been heard and seen out where the old slave house used to be uh, people say that they can actually hear sort of a chorus of of what they believe are the slaves singing songs in the middle of the night so, I think that's kind of uh, what you would call quasi common among like haunted plantations mm -hmm. and stuff like it's a, it's agreed I've heard that story many times like a residual haunting you know. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> Boy, to get into the nuts and bolts of that one. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we is talk. it a residual haunting? Like, Maybe it is totally intelligent, and that's just what they're doing. Who knows? Another time. <laughs> um, there's also a humongous mass grave on the property that holds um, just, just a, a huge, huge number of soldiers from both the Confederate and the Union side of the Army. Um, a, the vast majority of these graves are uh, completely unmarked. Um, so they, they really don't know who these soldiers were. They're not well-named. They're not identified. So these, they're, I mean, I would be restless if somebody just tossed me in a hole with 10 other guys and just forgot about me. And that just sounds awful. Uh, Depends on how far you are from home, too, right? Because sometimes hospitals just don't yeah. work. True enough. True enough. I don't know if the word you use should be the one I would use, but... <laughs> you know. So, lots of things happen in this house. One of the most creepiest things about this house is one of the rooms that was used as a surgical suite actually has this massive, massive blood stain on the floor. Now, back in the day, they attempted uh, to completely restore the property, and part of that attempt was to hide that blood stain. So they tried, you know, sanding and restaining the floor, did not work, the blood stain showed right through. They attempted to actually remove the subflooring and replace replace all of it. Um, and somehow or another, that blood stain is still there on the floor to this day. Um, even though the original boards just aren't even there anymore. Yeah. Bleach. <laughs> Weird, right? <laughs> um, they can hear rifle fire on the property, men shouting, they get EVPs of... Uh, lots and lots of things, but the biggest thing they get EVPs of are slang words uh, that were used uh, to sort of set, trigger, I guess, uh, each other between the Union and the and the Confederate Army. So yeah. whatever they called each other, you know, slang words just thrown around. So lots of interesting little hauntings in this place. Um, the full-bodied apparitions of soldiers. Um, and then you get all that, that typical battlefield stuff. Like, you know, cannon fire, smoke yeah. in the air, things like that. All that. 
cool yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and all of that. I have to imagine that in places like Kentucky, it might actually be like worse on those battlefields too. Oh yeah, because mm-hmm. it's some bad battles. Well, that yeah. and if you think about it, Kentucky's kind of like that weird middle dividing line, right? Yeah. Like where half of Kentucky may have been for the Union, and half of Kentucky may have been for the. So like yeah. th- that's literally one of those few states that's on that border that could be like literally like brother against brother. Yeah. 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 <laughs> totally agree. Uh, so if anybody cares, the house originally sat on 161 acres. It was 3,196 square foot with three bedrooms and one and a half bathrooms. Nice. Mm-hmm. So it was actually a really nice house. That's the sad thing about plantations too. It's just gorgeous houses down there and gorgeous property and all that mm-hmm. but so much crap <laughs> right right let alone the upkeep on a, a historical property is just insane but yeah i was gonna say a joke there but it would have been ill-timed <laughs> <laughs> so, yep. yeah no i so short and sweet but i promise my my next story for florida <laughs> is going to make up for that yeah the two-minute conversation Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so tell us about yours, Al. Uh, so mine is interesting. Uh, interesting in the fact that I don't know if it's actually haunted. It's got all the markers for a haunting. It's everything that a haunting should be. Uh, but I don't know if it's... Uh, location, exact location versus kind of this general area, or maybe just at this point it's so far gone that and overgrown that nobody knows where it actually is. So where's the paranormal in the story? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, the paranormal should be there. Right. Alright. Ooh. Go ahead. I've already got the topic. <laughs> um... <coughs> So, uh, at about 7.30 or 7.40 a.m. on August 4th of 1917, uh, an explosion took place within a part of the number 7 coal mine of West Kentucky Coal Company. Uh, This sits about a mile and a half from Clay, which is in Webster County, Kentucky. Uh, This caused the death of 62 people and the injury of three others. Uh, Of those killed, 11 were white. 51 were African-American. At the time of the explosion, there were 153 people in the mine, 91 of whom escaped without serious injury. Uh, 18 of that 91 were slightly burned or bruised, uh, but only three required hospital treatment. Uh, Out of the 62 deaths, one occurred on the road to the hospital, uh, and seven occurred after reaching the hospital. Uh, The mine foreman, Charles Wallace, and his brother, L.T. Wallace, survived the explosion at the bottom of the shaft, but lost their lives when they proceeded without a breathing apparatus to attempt rescue work. Uh, 32 escaped from the mine without assistance. Uh, Perhaps the most traumatic, if you were to be involved in that particular incident itself, uh, 43 men under the direction of Claude Bordis, who was a mine supervisor, Uh, enclosed themselves in an unaffected entry and were blocked in and rescued three and a half hours after the explosion. Wow. Um, 
it is said that at the moment of the explosion, uh, the workmen were mostly traveling to their workplaces. Only about six had reached their working places in the interior of a mine of the mine. Uh, so mules are used for hauling, or hauling uh, on the room entries. Uh, it's practiced to allow the drivers until 7.30 a.m. to get their mules beyond the trolley lines before the electric current is turned on to the trolley lines. Uh, on the morning of the explosion, the drivers had all about reached their storage side tracks, and the mine foreman, Charles Wallace, yes, the same one that passed away trying to rescue people, uh, at the bottom of the hoisting shaft, closed the switch which turned the electric current on on the trolley wires. Uh, he had taken only about three or four steps from the switch when an explosion re wave reached the bottom of the shaft. Um, now... It should be noted uh, that they determined that the cause of the explosion was not electric-based. It wasn't one of these trolley wires. Uh, it was uh, chemical air in the mine, bad air, oh, okay. uh, gases yeah, yeah. in the mine. Uh, somebody's headlamp yep. lit it. Uh, back then, they basically they, used, they used actual lamps. They used actual <laughs> fucking like candle lamps. Yep. They weren't battery powered and shit like yeah. that back then mm. so an oh, open God. flame an open flame headlamp is what lit the gas pocket in the mine I never even thought about that oh my god that must have been horrifying to work oh could man. you imagine oh yeah. no I don't want to <laughs> could you imagine working like three fucking miles underground and all you have is basically a fucking candle <laughs> attached to your head man I work 12 hours in an air conditioned job my job is hard <laughs> yeah, take note, Amazon employees. <laughs> yeah. Um, as we say, as we both are. <laughs> <laughs> we are Amazon employees, so we're allowed to say that. Half of y'all are lazy. It's fine. Um, either way, so let me just say where to go. Don't you hate when you're reading something? I know, I totally... Oh, I do it every week when I read something in my mind. Just Like, I see the numbers, but then, like, a weird dyslexia happens. Yeah, it's <laughs> so strange. Right. Um, so, clearly, step one in any normal haunting is a crazy freaking incident Tragedy. occurred. Yeah, and yeah. a lot of people died. Yeah. Um, now, noting that most of the people were African-American that died in this mine... Uh, that brings up a very important part of the story. Uh, for some weeks prior to the date of the explosion, there had been much activity on the part of some labor organizers, uh, which brought about much disorganization in the conduct of business in general, and mining business in particular. Uh, a strike was declared at mine number seven by persons not employed at the mine, and efforts were made to enforce the strike mandate to the extent that physical violence became so acute that for some weeks prior to the explosion, martial law had been enforced by regular soldiers. Um, so this Jeez. is what had happened. Uh, there was a conflict between uh, the miners union and the coal companies. Um, and in retribution for the strikes that were going on, 
the coal companies, if you're more familiar with unions, you'll understand what I'm saying, but the coal companies basically, basically brought in strike breakers. Yeah. So, though it did turn out later that about half of them were from Kentucky. Those are called um, scabs. <laughs> those, to any union person, is yeah. called a scab. Uh, but, so about mostly these people were black people that were shipped in from different parts of Kentucky and from the South that were just looking to make a buck. Which, to be fair, even the poor miners prior were just trying to make a buck. And as you can imagine, and as the story goes on to tell you later on, uh, poor working conditions. Oh, oh. (laughs) who knew? It it exploded. (laughs) Probably not the best working environment. Would never figure (laughs) it. Um, so what had happened was that uh, what had happened and what caused the uh, uh, the curfew to go into effect and things like that uh, was one of the next mines up that wasn't too far from mine number seven itself. Um, on August third of nineteen seventeen, three union members were arrested in Clay by soldiers from the C Company of the Kentucky National Guard after firing several hundred shots at soldiers and workers that were mining near Providence. Uh, okay. They were, yeah, yeah, yeah. they were firing on the strike breakers is wow. what they were doing. Um, so, this is what caused uh, the... Martial law to be enforced uh, by regular soldiers and deputized pickets. Uh, on the crown of the head frame over the number seven shaft was mounted a searchlight and a machine gun. Uh, the mining village was enclosed in part by a wire fence, uh, and the entrance was denied after 9 p.m. Uh, from the surrounding woods and cornfields, many volleys from rifles and revolvers had been fired into the mining village up to and after the day of the explosion. Uh, although on the day of the explosion, uh, the strike was declared off. Uh, during the recovery of the mine and the dead, and during the investigation made by the Eng- Bureau of Engineers, uh, volleys of volleys were still fired from distant points. Um, wow. Scab. <laughs> It was a much different time. Yeah, like we're, oh yeah. we're talking 1917, and oh yeah. uh, the place was technically, it, it's considered Barlow, Kentucky, the yeah. Barlow, Kentucky mine disaster. Uh, these were very old, pre-Depression era, right. and the people in this mining community, before they brought anybody else in, that's all the work they knew, and that's the only way they had to put food on the table for their yeah. family. Yeah, you're literally taking food off my table. And, yeah. and they they took that to heart, yeah. man. <laughs> like, there's two things you don't mess with, my family and my money. Because, mm-hmm. you know. Right. And when you do both of those, you put yourself in harm's way. So, uh, we have all of this going on, which sets a very thick energy into the air. Uh, you have the disaster itself, which sets a very thick energy into the air. Like, this location is primed to be haunted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I was getting those looks on my face, because I... Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I'll wait. I'll wait. I, I've pretty much uh, wrapped it up. 
I will uh, post a link. Uh, I got most of my information from the actual mining report. Uh, it is on U.S. Mine Disasters. Uh, it is a PDF from the original 1917 I like Bureau of Engineers. It's, it's a PIDF. It's a PIDF. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the only thing that I will leave you with, as far as that goes, um, is right now there is a marker. Uh, Green or blue? Yellow. No, it's a historic marker that's, I believe the historic marker is actually in Clay, Kentucky. Uh, the marker reads the 1917 coal mine explosion on October 7th or on October 4th of 1917 about 7:40 a.m. an explosion in West Kentucky Coal Company's number no. 7 mine shattered the community of Clay. The worst mine disaster in state history uh, was caused by methane gas and an open flame headlamp. Uh, at the time of the explosion, miners were on strike, protesting low wage wages and dangerous working conditions. Go figure. Uh, on the other side of the uh, placard, uh, it says 1917 coal mine explosion. Many miners killed were African Americans from the South, employed as strike breakers. Poor record keeping and body condition impaired. Identification of many miners. Uh, 153 men were underground. 62 men died. 29 of 47 men uh, identified were buried in unmarked graves in nearby Rock Springs. Hmm. Um, and that was another thing. So some of these men, by the time that they got them out, uh, because they actually had to wait for like the trolleys to be brought in from other mines. Because, right. Right, right, right. Um, so by the time they got everything and brought them out, uh, they were so badly decomposed, they just had to get them in the ground. So there's a lot of graves with misspellings. There's a lot of people that were just completely unidentified. Wow. That's horrible. And yet? <laughs> and yet, no reports of a haunting. Well, so Except, like I said, I just I don't know if anybody knows where the actual location to the mine is today. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's one thing that I wanted to point out is uh, the both of us are extraordinarily familiar with uh, Leech Cemetery. Um, they're in Kentucky. I'm sorry, Kentucky. Tennessee. Lake City, Lake Tennessee. City. What's wrong with me today? Brain fried. Um, matter of fact, it's even listed on the National Registry of Historic Places. But uh, for those who are unaware, Leech Cemetery is the home of a very, very large and impressive memorial for the Freighterville Miners. It's called the Freighterville Miners Circle. Uh, regarding uh, the 89 miners who are buried on site from the Coal Creek mining disaster there uh, in Tennessee. Um, it was it was awful. Now, mind you, we have picked up paranormal activity in that cemetery, like actually in Leech Cemetery. Is it from the miners? I'm not sure. It's a whole big cemetery with a whole lot of burials in it. It could be from anywhere. But... Now, are your miners going to be, you know, present in spirit at the cemetery or at the mine? So you could potentially have spirits of people still trapped underground in an old exploded mine. So here's the curiosity, right? I guess this is, this is what that kind of... The only question that I can think that would bring, right? So... In something like a mine disaster, where bodies are being exhumed from 
where they work, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you are a spirit that is with your body that is being pulled out of a mind, and this is the last time that you see your family, do you follow them? Do you follow them to your grave? And is that maybe why you end up there instead of? That's entirely possible. That's a good. That's a. That's a plausible theory. <laughs> I'm seeing I'm the look on Joe's face, and no, 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 it, it's it, a wheel turner, right? Yes, yeah, like, no, huh, it's maybe. <laughs> I thought in my head that you said there were a lot of African American workers there, right? Uh, in the Barlow, Kentucky. Did line, it yes. say where they came from? Um, so, despite the fact that one of the big claims was that they bust them all up from the south, um, what they have found is they have record for about half of them. Okay. So, a little over a third of them were from different points in Kentucky. Two of them were from Alabama. Uh, the rest were unidentified. Well, and they have no idea where they were from. Well, they have no idea who they were. It, it's the reason why I said it is because it, it's when you said they were firing on the workers there, the scabs and all that. Maybe some of them knew it was a bad, bad situation, and took precautions so that their soul wouldn't be trapped. Well, to be fair, some because, of them left. Yeah, mm. but certain practices within Native American culture or not Native African American culture, protects against that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So maybe some of those knew those practices. I'm not going to say which because I don't know sure. verbatim which ones. But maybe they took some precaution because you're right, everything is there for a haunting. Even the earth itself, the mm-hmm. stone within the earth is capable of holding the energy and all that, but yet is nothing there. So that would denote well. to me that something happened... I wouldn't necessarily say nothing's there. Well, um, do we that have they know any it. evidence at all of anybody attempting investigations in the area? I don't know that it's even been attempted. So what I will do is I will actually shout out one more podcast that will bring up the coal mining disaster of Barlow, Kentucky, in a very more Ooh. fictional sense. Uh, Old Gods of Appalachia. Ooh. That's where the entire podcast starts. Nice. Now, they make it much more fictional very oh, yeah. fast. Uh Still a great podcast, a great folklore story yeah, if you're good. into it. Very, very good uh, but what they do touch on is yes, they do touch on the mining disaster. Yes, they do touch on the fact that it was strike breakers mainly that were working the mines. Which, to be fair, um, guys, this goes to tell you there's some certain unskilled labor. Like you just can't. You're, yeah. you're it, taking yeah. your own life into your hands. Yeah. Like minus. Minus people shooting at you. Yeah. Like, you're just the work itself. You're doing things that are very physically dangerous and can kill you if you do it wrong. Let alone back in those times, uh, the U.S. absolutely was not the way that it is now. Safety was not a thing. (laughs) Right. Let alone, you said that massive amounts of of those men actually were completely unnamed. Uh, They had no idea who they were at all. It would not be beyond the scope of possibility to think that these men were literal slave labor. Well, and yes, and not to mention the fact that a lot of them back then just didn't want to pay for, like, 
not that insurance was a thing back then, but they didn't want to pay anything because they were greedy bastards back mm-hmm. then. And well, that's my potential for slave labor is these people yeah. were brought in. You know what? Yeah, they don't have to pay them anything. Let's let's give the benefit of doubt. Let's not even call it slave labor. Let's technically indentured. call it what indentured servitude would be. Yeah. Like, hey, we'll give you a little bit of money and you'll be further up north. And yeah. And not to mention they chose to go ahead and do this. Like mm. a lot of those jobs were done by people with no families. True. Because if you did die in it, the business that owned it didn't have yeah. to pay that family. Yeah, the, so, the, the likelihood of you passing in a job mining is, is pretty high. Oh, higher than you're surviving. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, let's be honest. I have worked jobs before where I was in enclosed places yeah. where we had oxygen monitors to monitor the air. Yeah. Uh, they didn't have that in 1917, mm-hmm. right? There was no such thing as an oxygen monitor. <laughs> like, like, Earl's not breathing. Let's get out. <laughs> if you are, Petey the parrot died, you should run. Yeah. You are underground with different gases mm-hmm. with an open flame headlamp. Lots of crazy yeah. volatile shit. Well, I mean, not to mention even if you watch like uh, a lot of the Ghost Hunter shows nowadays or even the exploration shows, uh, if they go down to the mine, there's usually an expert with them. They don't do it without a CO. monitor. Yeah, you know? those CO monitors. It's like, hey, no, the air's not good. We're getting the fuck out. Yeah. So, excuse yeah. my language. I was hyped. I we're we're an explicit podcast. podcast. It's yeah, fine. I know. I just, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. We are actually. It's all right. You got excited. Yeah. <laughs> we are actually but, labeled uh, for adults. Uh, but no, it's, it's, it's one of those things. Like, yeah, if you don't know what you're doing in that spot, and if some shady dude comes up to you and says, hey, Got a hundred bucks, you need a job. Right. Chances are it's probably not going to be something you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, we... Or you to, might end up on your knees, either one. We have to look at it at the opposite end of the spectrum, though. Um, 1917. Not that far removed from slavery as a whole. Not, not that far re- right. removed from the Civil War. Right. Uh, so the fact is... That if you were a black person anywhere near the South or towards the South, uh, you may be free now, but nobody has to give you a job. Yeah. 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 So, uh, just like these Appalachian people that are, this is all they know, and this is the only way they have it for either their family. If you're a black person in 1917 and you're, you know, Kentucky or below, uh, it's probably just the same. Anything to put food on the table. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole layer of things to unravel with that. But yeah, going back to my original premise, maybe something was done in there because they knew it was a bad situation. So maybe they practiced something. Maybe there was a prayer said or something of that ilk to prevent not their dying, but from their souls being stuck there. Because to me, that's even that's a worse thought. Oh, uh, yeah, I know I'm born to die. It's These bodies are frail. They're going to do this. Uh, but my soul being stuck in a place that I don't want to be stuck in, that's a worse thought. <laughs> all, all I know is that, that the history of human treatment in this country um, is shit. All right. So, yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> but either way, yeah, so to piggyback off what you're saying... Um, also, the most important and clear factor of this is, again, uh, Kentucky, 1917. Uh, this is old Appalachia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
There are hedge witches and oh gosh, right, all kinds right. of craziness. Hee-haw doctors Hee-haw, and I didn't know you know, that I, I, you know call it whatever you want. All right, um, but just like that, I mean, it's it's kind of the tidal surge on both sides, right? Mm-hmm. So you have uh, African Americans moving north. You have old Appalachia sitting right in the middle, and you've mm-hmm. got the Union up here, right? So when it kind of crashes in the middle, um, you know. Voodoo is a practice that is prevalent in Louisiana. And you can't tell me that some of the slaves that didn't get from Louisiana didn't start migrating north. And some of them ended up in the Kentucky Hills. So Old Appalachia is just a weird place of all the best or worst things, depending on how you look at it. It's a melting pot. It's just a fun little melting pot of all things cryptid and cryptic. And cryptid. (laughs) I said that too. You said cryptic. I said cryptid and cryptic. Oh, whatever. Either way, anyway. I love it. Uh, Kentucky sounds like a fun I do. place. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> even though at this point we're going to consider it cursed because, uh, newsflash for you listeners, we've restarted recording this podcast three times. Yeah. Because, yeah, the technical yeah. difficulties with this one have been out of this friggin' world. So yeah. thank you, Kentucky, for being our absolute most challenging recording uh, to date. Literally. Like, I don't remember having a more difficult time recording a podcast yeah. other than this one. So, yeah, yeah, you guys have... And you know what? We may have done it to ourselves because if you remember the podcast before, mm. what you said, when you were kind of like, you're up some big some, heavy yeah. hitters here, some big so shit. you better come exactly. with it. <laughs> and you know what? So, they come with it. They come with it to the point that they actually stopped our recording three times. Uh, not only that, but also last week the internet went out. It did. The internet went out completely, and so, so they couldn't even record last week. Kentucky didn't want us talking about Kentucky. Kentucky, no. look what you've done. We'll see you in the spring, Waverly Hills. Right? <laughs> my birthday. What happens in Kentucky? You better be nicer than my equipment. <laughs> yeah, please, guys, we paid for it. Please be nice. You know what? If you want to hit me in the face, go for it, but please leave my cameras alone. <laughs> All yeah, right. so that's that. I love right. it. I love it. Kentucky, you have been so much fun. Thank you for all of the trials and tribulations, blood, sweat, and tears recording this episode. Um, I hope that you enjoyed it as much as we did. Um, so, yeah, you can find us we, on... You said enjoyed it. We have enjoyed it. We, we enjoyed talking enjoyed about it. Kentucky, but all the technical difficulties. Yeah, I was like, like, <laughs> I got a couple of new gray hairs here. Uh, so yeah, you can find us on Facebook at nolightsparanormal.com. You can find us at nolightspara uh, on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then the thing uh, that we will be getting the blue check mark on. Yes, we are looking at the blue check mark. Yay! <laughs> okay, okay. So yep. Uh, and then of course nolightsparanormal at gmail.com. We would love to hear any of your stories, comments, suggestions. Um, and if you have a good story, let us know about it because you might just find yourself guesting on the podcast. Yeah. So thank you. We love you. See you in five minutes. Don't fuck with the Baba Yaga and or Kentucky. Fuck yeah, with it. Yeah, just don't. <laughs> Kentucky in just general. Spill. Just leave it alone. <laughs>